the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. It's Mark Eisler back with you again, filling in for Dennis Prager. And I didn't hit the right button, so we were off a few seconds. Everything's changed. I can see Sean on television all the time. He's not wearing a tie, but I'm not wearing a tie either, so it's okay. And he played a song. I didn't ask him. I asked him to play a different bumper music. He didn't play that. No, I, no, I like that song. Don't don't get concerned. I, I all right, it's, it's No, 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 that's not the song I said to tell for you to play. All right, this is my 15th year of uh, filling in for Dennis, and this is an interesting story. Someone had posted on Facebook something about Dennis, so I wrote, it's a privilege, honor, whatever I said, to be filling in for Dennis now up to 15 years. So this is a challenge, first challenge question for Sean and the staff. So a local talk show host who was on in Los Angeles Many years ago, wrote, he thought he was being clever, of course, he wrote, there's only one thing worse than Dennis Prager, and that's filling in for Dennis Prager for 15 years. So I'll give you one hint, Sean, and the rest of you. He was on before Rush Limbaugh on this competing station. And I don't, I'm seeing a look, I want to see if he knows already before I give the next hint. All right, I'll save the next hint for later. But anyway, uh, like Dennis, I laughed at it. I wasn't offended. I th- I thought I'm in good company if he's listening me listening uh, listening me with Dennis Prager. So I thought, oh, that's terrific. So I see what Dennis means. That's not the first time I've been attacked, but this is the first time in you know in collusion with Dennis in some ways. But you also can follow me on Facebook. Oh, you're looking it up, Sean. That is not fair. See, I see Sean much better now. He's on television for me. And he's looking it up. That's not fair. I thought you would try on your own. Anyway, the second hint was he was like a shock jock, I think. You, you, you don't have to say it yet. Think about it. Anyway, you can get in touch with me on Facebook or write to me at markeisler at AOL.com, M-A-R-K-I-S-L-E-R at AOL.com. I can't do the show. He looks puzzled. He usually, Sean, he usually gets these things right away. And I'll try to answer you as I did with this obvious fan of mine and Dennis's. Or you can hear when my, next, when my podcast is yet to come and it'll start. But for now, I want to comment on the news in the Middle East. The events have been horrific. I worry every day about where this is going, especially with our own feckless leader in charge. I can't even look at the pictures of those who were slaughtered or raped or look at the images of where entire families were obliterated. 
Dennis has explained it all so well. The idea of moral equivalence or cycle of violence is uttered by those with an agenda or hate or so totally uninformed that they have no clue of what they speak. And this is where I come in. This, there's probably no other national talk show host who is as familiar with our educational system as I am. I've taught in every level. I remember I, I, I wasn't very good with the younger kids in the sense that I remember I taught first grade one day and they were all over me and grabbing my hand and I thought, uh, I don't think this is for me. But I did teach every grade. and You may know I teach adult school now, over two decades of experience as a teacher. I can give you some insight as to why our young people have no clue about what is really going on. They have been indoctrinated ever since the unions became so dominant in our schools. President Kennedy issued an executive order allowing federal workers the right to collective bargaining. By the way, don't you just love executive orders when they bypass Congress and, in effect, presidents make law? That was a colossal mistake by President Kennedy. And so was followed locally by Albert Shanker. He led the New York City Teachers Union at that time. They struck the New York City schools, and the schools were never the same. They got the money they wanted, and even more important, the power they craved. When the unions got power, education began its long downhill slide. They didn't care about the students, just the power. And I said this many years ago, if ever the goals of the teachers' unions matched the goals of students, it was purely a coincidence. It always amazed me they'd hold up signs, save our schools. They didn't mean save our schools. They meant save their power, save their money, get them more benefits. And that, by the way, they did that very well. They got incredible money and benefits for their members. And they've done that very well for all these years. But when that power began, instruction also changed. I remember walking into a union building. I, I, I don't remember what the occasion was. And there was a big flag that said, bilingual education, the wave of the future. And if you remember bilingual education, when they taught it, it neither helped the students in any way because they became fluent neither in their native language nor in English. But guess what? The teachers got an extra $5,000 a year for teaching bilingual education. So, of course, they were for it, or at least the ones who cared most about their money. It was a disaster for the students, but the teachers, as I said, got their money. And it continued with the teachers' union, putting their own left-wing philosophy in place. That was the begin, the beginning of the end of valuing Western civilization. Union members became more and more liberal until today they're outright, outright leftists. At least their leaders are. Many of the teachers are not. Today, it would be hard to differentiate their positions on many issues from socialist or communist positions. I, I get what they're for all the time. So American history became a history of slavery, racism, and genocide. And anyone who epitomizes American values, like Israel does, is equally or more hateable. Even worse, they are Jews. And the Jews have always been hated. The reason for which Dennis has eloquently explained. I've also said for years 
that it is not a wonder that students graduate high school, college, and come out as leftists or liberals at the least. It's a wonder that any come out as conservatives because all they hear is leftism. So Israel's an oppressor. The United States is an oppressor. And along with the rest of the world, we're also colonialists. Our students have no idea about the actual history of the Middle East, that land was offered to the so-called Palestinians six times, that they treat their non-Jews well. Do they ever know what the late Charles Krautheimer once said, that the Israel is the only nation on earth that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, and worships the same God that it did 3,000 years ago. That all Israel wants is peace, and all their enemies want is dead Jews. Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran don't care about the people under their control. They only care about their power. Just like Democrats, if you think about it. They don't really care about blacks or women or gays. The only thing they care about is using them for their own power. But our students never hear this. They have never heard our side. Because when they hear our side, they go, whoa, I never heard that. I never thought about that. And I always give the example of minimum wage. You know, I say, okay, I think California has gone up to $20 an hour for fast food workers. I could be wrong. can't remember the number. I think it's $15 an hour now. And if I ask my students, where does that money come from? They, they have no idea. So maybe the boss won't hire more people. Or maybe they will fire some people. Well, they, they have no clue. Remember, wasn't, uh, and I know Sean has this clip, but one lady, uh, where's Obama going to get the money from? Oh, from his stash. You know, like he had his own private stash. They, they have no idea. And when I just give them the other side and try to give them both sides, they say, I have never heard of that. So it's no surprise about their views. They might as well live in Iran or North Korea or communist China for all the unbiased news they get. So it's not unlike the schools, where everybody hears the same leftist diatribe. Let me know what you think. 1A Prager 776. Mark Eisler, the Dennis Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and whom can you really trust? This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion, my choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed always have your back. I trust this man. That's why I mentioned him by name. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Mark Eister back with you again, filling in for Dennis Prager, 1A Prager 776, as I explain why our students have 
the views they have. They've been indoctrinated, and they never hear the other uh, side. So if you only hear one side, that's what you assume. And that's uh, even all the teachers assume that the other teachers are on the left. So you almost can't blame these misguided young people since they only hear that side, which is why I've been saying for years now that they're going to come out as leftists. It's, it's only a surprise that they're not even further left. And here's the reason I've survived in the public schools. You probably have heard me say this before. They don't really know my life, as a, my other life, actually, I should say, because I do teach, as a talk show host. Do you know why? Because they never listen to our side. Dennis has often said that, you know, we listen to them, we know their point of view, but they've, they don't listen to us either. <laughs> so... I remember years ago, this teacher's not there anymore. He's, he did a knock-knock joke. Let's see if I can remember. Knock-knock. Who's there? Justice Scalia. And then, I, and then he says something about, he died. Isn't that hilarious? Because the teacher assumed I had to be on the left. And the other story I often tell is it was the night Trump won. I couldn't believe he was going to win. And when he won Pennsylvania, it was clear to me that he was going to be the next president. So I was on my cell phone a lot, checking out the news. And it was the first day of class that year. And students went into the assistant principal to complain. And so she called me in, and she said, uh, you know, some students came in and complained that you're on your cell phone a lot. But I understand. We're all suffering so much because Hillary lost. Because that's what they assume. They assume that everybody is on their side. I'm one of the teachers that I'm not even in the union. Not I shouldn't say it. Of course I'm not in the union. I wasn't in the union when Albert Shanker and his union was formed, and they struck many, many years ago. And I remember even then, I think I could say I was principal because the union at that local public school used to meet in our lunchroom. That was the only place we had. So they tried to kick me out, saying, if you're not in the union, you can't sit in on the union meetings. And I said... I know, but this is our lunchroom, and I'm not leaving. And guess who won? I won. So I didn't want to stay there for long, you know, if you don't feel welcomed or anything. But I stood up for my principles even then. So they have no idea about any of this. That's all they hear. Will the, by the way, I have a thought for you. Will the atrocities Hamas committed really make a difference in public opinion this time? I think Dennis is amused about that, too. Or will it be the same thing as always? Israel must restrain itself. We must have peace. It's happening. I mean, you can see it already. We must have peace no matter the cost for Israel. Will, so I challenge all of you. Will you pull your money from the colleges and your students from these schools? Will you help? I was for school choice. I bet you it's two decades now where students, actually parents, will make the choice of where to send their students. So the schools get real competition. By the way, we have charter schools, and charter schools have made the public schools better because there is some competition. Parents can choose the charter school in the neighborhood. Remember, in the past, they had to choose whatever was in their neighborhood, and the minorities got the shaft because if their school was bad and the teachers were not great, as an example, they had no choice. They had to go to the local school. With competition, the schools will get better, and they have gotten better. I remember a friend of mine who taught with me, pretty liberal, and he said, what do you want, Mark? You want principals to decide which teachers to choose? 
instead of the union being involved in all this other stuff? I said, yeah. And if they don't do a good job, they'll get fired too. I said, like the real world. And they, they said, oh, no. What if they don't like me because I don't look the right way? I said, that's, that's the real world. But I assume if we have incentives up and down the line, the best principals will survive and the best teachers will survive. If you don't know how it works now, it's by seniority, how many years you've been teaching and how many useless courses you've taken at schools. Most of the time I tell my students, if I have to go to a meeting, I look at my watch every minute to think, how much longer is this going to take? It's mostly nonsense. You learn how to be a good teacher by being a teacher. And I've always said people, people have said good things about me. What makes you a good teacher? I said, I think most of his personality being interesting. And I remember Dennis once asked this question. Would you rather have a, I don't know, a shop teacher that uh, was A in his knowledge or a shop teacher that was B in his knowledge of the materials but was much more interesting? And students always choose the more interesting ones. That, that, that's what's important. So I have no doubt that the same scenario is going to take place with Israel. Students don't know. They're protesting like crazy. And everybody will say Israel's got to stop. And they've got to negotiate because what they're doing is so evil. It's crazy. So I want to know what you will do. Let me know at 1-8-Prager-776, and we'll take your calls on that. But I want to also mention how we support countries that really are our enemies, like Qatar. So I saw the story about Qatar, who actively supports Hamas, and they try to influence our college students. So this may be a story you haven't heard. The same country, this is by let me, Eli Lake, I want to give him credit. Qatar's War for Young American Minds. The same country, now protecting Hamas's senior leaders, has donated billions to American universities. Here's why. Right now, senior leaders of Hamas, the perpetrators of the worst atrocity against Jews since the Holocaust, are huddled in Qatar. They've been there for years. But American foreign policy has turned a blind eye. Why? One reason might be that for the last 25 years, this small, energy-rich state has pumped billions into America to purchase influence and good favor. They have spent their lavish fortune at American law firms or lobbying contracts with former senior officials and on junkets and partnerships with big media companies. You follow the money. You always just follow the money. The biggest recipients of Qatari largesse have been major universities and think tanks. The numbers are staggering. According to a 2022 study from the National Association of Scholars, Qatar today is the largest foreign donor to American universities. The study found that between 2001 and 2021, the, the Petro State donated a whopping $4.7 billion to U.S. colleges. The largest recipients are some of America's most prestigious institutions of higher learning. Any surprise at Harvard and elsewhere? These schools have partnered with the regime to build campuses in Doha's education city. They have an edu so-called education city, a special district of the capital that hosts satellite colleges for American universities. We don't have much time, but they've donated. Here's some examples. $103 million to Virginia Commonwealth, $1.8 to Cornell, Oh, seven or a million to Texas A&M, you'd think they'd be more conservative. Uh, Carnegie Mellon, 740 million. 760 million to Georgetown University. 602 million to Northwestern University. 
a surprise that the students think the way they do? Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. Mike also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year for a limited time. You'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Podcasts Square, and use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager. Mark Eisler for Dennis Prager. And it's interesting, Sean, I won't say the person's name, but Sean and I were talking off the air, and Sean was explaining to me that this uh, radio talk show host that said that about Dennis and myself uh, was actually pretty decent many years ago. And it, forget decent, he, he had more conservative views. And it looks like he changed, we're guessing, we don't know for a fact, he totally went the other way and maybe became a shock jock. I, I don't want to say what I'm not sure of, I don't listen to him, because he thought probably that's where the money was. Because how does someone change their views According to Sean, he's dramatically changed his views on a time like that, unless it's the money. So it almost relates to Israel and what I've been saying. So the students don't hear our side, and I mentioned what Qatar is doing, buying influence. So where the money is, people will often follow, which is why it's so important. I said this many years ago, and I remember I said to Bruce Hersons, and I got it from you, and he said, Mark, it's yours. But here's what I said. I didn't first become a Republican and then decide on my principles. I became a Republican. I, I, let me rephrase it. I had a series of principles, and I said the Republican Party matches those. If ever they don't, there's no point in being a Republican. So even like with the teachers' union, it has hurt me. I'm sure there are many jobs I haven't gotten because uh, some people do know about me. I'm not going to get into it in jobs I thought I should have gotten, but I, I, I go with the flow. If they don't choose me, they don't choose me when I wanted more hours. And I remember, I won't say it, one principal said when I said, you know, I'm looking for more hours and stuff, and he said something, you know, not derogatory but negative about me, and, he's, and I said, the students love me. They do. They often say to me, you're the best teacher we ever had. And I always say, I might be the most interesting, but I don't know if I'm the best. So this principal said to me, it's not about being entertaining. And I thought, ah, I want, it's not hard to look me up if you want to try. So what I'm doing in this first hour, it makes sense why the students have the position on Israel. And if you see the influence by the other side, it all starts to make sense. Let's go to um, John in West L.A. John, I think, what did you say? You have an interesting theory? Sean, let's get Yeah. yeah. Well, what I think is that Israel should have one line they just keep repeating. They should say the power will come back on, the food will go back in, the bombing will stop, and the army will stop when every single hostage is released. And if Biden says, I think you guys should have a ceasefire, I think this moral equation, they should say, well, the bombing will stop, and the power will come back on, and the food will be delivered when every hostage is released. And just keep repeating that line. I like that. 
I mean, you, you know, it's a, it's funny. I, I guess Dennis has done this, or other people have done said this, which is uh, World War Two. We 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 bombed. I mean, forget Hiroshima, and Nagasaki with nuclear weapons. You do what you have to to win a war. It seems to me only Israel is asked to to worry about collateral damage or the hostages, which they try to do. Remember, they accused them of bombing uh, well, a hospital, right? Which never even happened. Why are they held to standards that, that are different, say, in World War II, as I pointed out? No one said then, you know, you're killing innocent civilians. And if they did, I don't remember it. It wasn't a big argument, but they do that with Israel. They control the media and they control the narrative. So none of this is a surprise. That's why your idea is pretty good. I like it. Yeah. And I even have an idea about how to get the hostages out. Every hostages walks towards the Israeli border flanked by one Palestinian boy and one Palestinian girl, all under the, the child, Palestinian children are under 10 and wearing tank tops and shorts. So they can be seen not to be terrorists. And they come forward, you know, uh, one at a time with all the hostages that way. Are you, and you think the other side would do it? No, they won't because they're, because the Palestinians have never done anything to help the Palestinians. That's right. Okay. Or, the enemy of the Palestinians is Hamas. Yeah. No, we totally agree. That's why I said that Hamas doesn't really care about the Palestinian people. And if we use that name, uh, just why even related to the Democrats, maybe I'm being a little extreme. I'm sure a lot of Democrats care about the unions and the gays and the women and so on. But in general, they care most about their power. Just like I said, the unions care most about their power. And so that's why they use them as shields. They don't, they don't really care about the people. They would never. Whoever thought of this idea is using them as shields. It, it's so obvious. Uh, you know, it, it's, I can't even watch some of the stuff going on, right? And Dennis says he wants to be careful, beheaded. I heard some stuff today I'm not, I'm not going to say on the air because it, it's, it's so terrible until I'm sure it's happened. Let me know what you think. 1A Prager 776. Different standards for Israel. I see someone who disagrees with me. I don't know if he's being serious. Let me know what you think. Mark Ice, they're filling in for Dennis Prager. Mark Eister filling in for Dennis Prager. And besides Alan being terrific, no one could be a better producer for, for Dennis than Alan. But Sean is more like my producer. He's here, and we have thoughts at the break. So he gave me a thought, you know, about this radio host. May have sold out for money, thinking that because he was, if not conservative, certainly not far left when he worked uh, right before Rush Limbaugh. And so... You know, a lot of people sell out for money, and what he made me think of, I was going to do this later, but I may not get to it, it made me think of Mitt Romney. If you remember, uh, I was a delegate for Mitt Romney, and that was after I saw, I think the Obamacare plan started in, I don't want to be wrong, in Massachusetts, or a version of it, when Romney was there. But I kind of looked past that. Ah, that gets to my theme of my next hour. People believe what they want to believe. I did see signs, even on illegal immigration, that Romney kind of changed and may have switched. And the more, when, when Sean and I were talking about why did this host change on a dime, we think, dramatically, we think it might be for money. And in Romney's case, I think it's self-serving. That he thinks, you know, he acts like he's, uh, oh, God has called him, or, you know, he, he, that's who he answers to. That's where he gets these ideas from. But he's been all over the place. If you remember, when Trump started, was it secretary? Did he interview for secretary of state or secretary? Of, I think of state. 
that he went in to see Trump trying to get that position. Well, he didn't get the position. And not long after that, he totally turned on President Trump. I care so much. One of the values I teach my students life lessons, one of the values I care about is loyalty. And I may have told you the story before when Bruce was on my show, Bruce Hurston, who ran for the Senate in California. He, said, he, he worked with President Nixon. And when Nixon was going to resign, Bruce went up to the second floor and he said, Mark, you know what that is? And I can't remember what he said. He said, I urged him not to resign, that he could beat this thing. And even the hated Richard Nixon said, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that to this country. But there are so many politicians out there that are in it for their own power. And that, some of you got annoyed with me when I picked on, I always say his name wrong, Sean, Ramaswamy. It's not Ramaswamy, right? What? Oh, I, said, I said it right? Victor Ramaswamy. Okay. Uh, I said, I, it's so obvious to me that that guy could change on a dime also. You know, and I, I did some research on him, and uh, he got money from communist China or had businesses there. I, I, he look, I see slickness. I have a governor. They call him slick, <laughs> right? Newsom. He could turn on a dime, too. I, I don't know why other people don't see that. And that's my second hour. I'm going to talk, elaborate on Dennis's idea that people believe what they want to believe. So now I'm picking on me. I believed what Romney said. And I thought he was a good guy. And I thought, oh, okay, I can buy that. So that's part of my next theme, that we often believe what we want to believe. But then I found out Romney really didn't have any principles. He could change all the time. And that's what you've got to try to see through. That's what makes that radio guy, he's not important to himself, but the idea it brings up, how many people will sell out for money, or at least f for power, right? Oh, power, forget it. So many people will sell out for that. So do I go to Dave and start a whole problem? All right, no, okay. Because uh, I'll just say what he wants to say. We don't need it as real. I'll be fair to him and, and read, so we should stop supporting him. And I would just say, if that's what you called about, it's not a matter of whether we need Israel. It's about whether you support people who believe in liberty. Th that's certainly in our interest around the world, right? People will think that. If people think in, in terms of tyrannies and, or communism and socialism, that hurts us because the world will turn that way, right? That's the problem with students protesting at colleges. Not only have they never heard our side, but it hurts. It hurts the effort because, unfortunately, the media does matter. It does matter what people say. Otherwise, there'd be no issue that Israel in the past would have gone in a long time ago to take care of Hamas. By the way, I, I'm going to give myself credit. I was never for a two-state solution. I'm still not for a two-state solution because I said 10, 20, 30 years ago on the air, how can you negotiate people who want you dead? Oh, so I think I'm going to pick on people because they wanted to believe. Oh, this is very interesting. Sean, I don't know if you know this. The people on the border with Gaza... A lot of them who got murdered, they were very progressive. They were very far left. And they thought they could work out a deal that uh, the citizens would be on their side. Guess who was part of beheading people and kidnapping people? The Gazan citizens themselves who worked in the kibbutz. They were part of it. It wasn't just Hamas. I think that's pretty accurate. I don't think I'm wrong. They too believed what they wanted to believe. They wanted to believe that people would come in peace, and maybe there are a lot of Palestinians like that. But unfortunately, your leaders represent you. And so, but when given a chance, these people were celebrating, and they joined in the mayhem and the murder. 
It's what people will do. <laughs> I'm obviously a dentist. I don't believe people are good or born good. You got to teach them that. You got to talk about the good values. I, I don't. I'm, I may be worse than dentists. I'm not even sure they're born neutral. Little kids are selfish. They think the whole world revolves around them. You got to get them out of that. All right. I I, I said I'm calling driven. Let's see. Uh, someone else. It is. Can we give? Uh, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, let's go to Ed in Chicago. Ed, you're on with Mark. Let's punch him in. Hi. Uh, Hi. How you doing there, Mark? Listen, I wanted to talk to you about uh, some of the statements you made about the teachers union. I just wanted to ask because you're a, you're a, you're a teacher, am I correct? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so, do you accept the wages that they negotiated for you? Uh, first of all, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm go, I'm gonna be honest and uh, not only be honest, say I accept the wages, but I'm glad to get higher wages. But I didn't ask them to negotiate for me. You don't know the story, but when I was laid off many years ago, I represented myself. I did better than the union did. I'd be glad to negotiate for my wages. Would you? Yeah. Well, you would be allowed to do that for sure. How about the uh, pension and the uh, health insurance? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't certainly don't get health insurance, but leaving that aside, I'd be glad to negotiate. You don't get health insurance. You're a teacher, yeah, and you don't get health insurance. No, I would get health insurance because I'd negotiate for that. Oh. All right, stay on hold. Let's put them on hold, and we'll continue because that was my topic. One eight Prager seven seven six Mark Eisler for Dennis Prager. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Let's go back. I think it was Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, Ed. Uh, my name is Ed. Yeah. Uh, Mark, right? Yes. Okay. Listen, you're, you're telling me that you could do a better job than the teachers' union negotiating your wages, pension, and benefits, right? That's what I did once. I started to say I was laid off. They had their lawyer, and, and I was my own lawyer. Right. And, and you got your own lawyer, and you negotiated your no, own No, no. I was my own lawyer. And I, I, in that layoff, I, they said, people said, you did better than the attorney for the unions. But that's not my point. You're, you're mentioning some things well, that... Well, my point is, you don't, you don't get what my point is. Okay. You, know, you don't get what I'm saying at all. Okay. You'll accept the wages that they negotiate for you. You'll accept the pension that they negotiate for you. You'll accept the health insurance that they negotiate for you. But you won't be a member. Of course In other not. words, what you are, Mark, is what we call... A freeloader. No, 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 no. No, I'm not a freeloader because I'd be glad. I'd be glad to do it myself. I don't. I don't. Sh let me talk to Ed. Ed, you're monopolizing the way the unions do. 
I don't share their principles or their values. That's why I said I'd be willing to negotiate all this on my own. They do it, so I have no choice. That's Everything's mandated when by the union. That's why bad teachers can't be fired, because the union protects them. And, and so you, you didn't mention the other side, that everybody gets the same pay. There's no incentive. Forget me. The, the, the excellent teachers may get less than the terrible teachers because they've been there more and they've got, taken more units. It's not based on merit. It's not based on competition. The whole system is messed up. And then if you're in the union, you have to share their values. I don't. So you say, uh, a freeloader. I'm not a freeloader. I'd be willing to do it myself. And I did do it myself. And that's the way it was before the unions were there. So I, I acknowledge they probably do some good for their members, but you didn't mention all the terrible things they do. They've ruined the school system. They, they destroy, they talk about Western values as if it's a crime. They, they indoctrinate the kids. Let me know what you think. Mark Eister filling in for Dennis Prager. Stay up to date on the 2024 election by texting DEBATE to 94878 to become a Salem Insider. Mark, I still filling in for Dennis Prager. Great to be back with you again. So you found it, Sean. So there's a story about this. When I first started teaching, we had to kind of do a performance by the different classes. So I did a takeoff on laughing. Do you remember laughing at all? You remember that? You remember the radio host, but you remembered laughing a little bit. Yeah, okay. So I was different even then. I was a budding talk show host because... If you remember laughing, they had different scenes and uh, like there was a lady uh, on a bench and uh, this guy always made a pass at her and she would always hit him with the, over the head with a pocketbook. And during laughing, you'd see that scene change a little bit, but they'd keep coming back during the show. Like uh, there was a guy in the audience held up a piece of corn and said, corny, whatever he did, he told corny jokes. That was laughing. They just different skits in those days repeated. So when I did it as an example, I did the lady with the man, and he was interested in her. She hit him over the head with the pocketbook. But at the end, she changes her mind, and she's interested in him, so he takes the pocketbook and hits her over the head. So even then, I I would kid around a little bit, and that's the song we played, Weave Me the Sunshine, and this by Peter, Paul, and Mary, for those who remember. And I I had no choice either. This is interesting. I didn't know I was going to relate it this way. I was a liberal growing up, too, because in New York City, Brooklyn, New York, what else were you supposed to believe? You had no choice. It was a birthright. And then as you see more and read more and you say, I remember thinking, why does the government have the right to tell me to do this? You know, where's my freedom? It was an evolution. Not like that talk show host. I, I didn't do it for money or power. I just said, none of this makes sense. But if you lived in New York City... You had to be a Democrat. I, I know there were some Republicans. There's no doubt about that. But that's who you were. It, it was automatic. And so I, I get the what the last gentleman said. Yeah, the unions, and he called me a freeloader. He could have called me a lot worse. I was thinking, freeloader's not that so bad. But I did think differently 
from the others. I'm not saying I'm an outlier. I don't want to give myself that kind of compliment, but I always thought for myself. And uh, it was hard in New York City. I, I got a best friend in New York City who tells my kids, I, I can't understand why Mark is so far away. He still likes me, but so far away from making sense because I'm obviously a conservative. I changed tremendously. But in those days, that's what it was. And Peter, Paul, and Mary were liberals. And Pete uh, Seeger, I'm thinking all the names, Joan Baez. Bob Dylan started in that group. Bob Dylan, of course, is still around. And you just automatically were leftist. So then if the schools start indoctrinating you, that's why that was so nefarious, you don't have much choice but to come out that way. So again, it's no surprise how they've come out. In any case, it's always a privilege to fill in for Dennis. There was no one better than Dennis on talk radio. And, in fact, he's about the only one I listen to anymore. Remember, I used to watch Fox News on a previous show. I said I canceled it. I did cancel it. I no longer watch it. I, that's my view, too. If they're, you know, if they're going to, they have their right to their views and they own the company, but I don't have to watch it, and I haven't watched it since. So I get my news from different kinds of sources. And I think you should do the same, too. In the first hour, I tried to give my insight into why our young people support the tyranny of Hamas in great numbers as opposed to the free nation of Israel. Why they believe that Hamas and others like them are the good guys and Israel and the Jews are so bad. And it got me to thinking about what Dennis talked about. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. He said the other day about realizing that people believe what they want to believe. And I thought in this hour I would elaborate on that. It's not just that they believe what they want to believe. There are often, not always, sinister forces that, forces that help them in these false beliefs. So in the case of our students, we have the left's indoctrinating them from an earlier and earlier age. By the way, it's working its way down. And it's not so hard to do. I remember Rush Limbaugh, I mentioned him before, he used to, I think he called them minds of mush or something like that. Minds are mush because you, you can influence them so much. Teachers have huge power. When I'm in the classroom, they don't know my views. They, you know, I try as best as I can to give both sides. It's hard as a human being because I guess it shows sometimes. But I'm not outright like a lot of these teachers. They just totally try to influence them and indoctrinate them. So these students didn't become leftists on their own. In most cases, they had a lot of help. Once they're indoctrinated, it's easy to believe that Hamas, Hezbollah, the Palestinians are the victims, and Israel and the United States, you name it, they're the oppressors, the evil villains in this play. But this is not new. The Russians mastered this game a long time ago. When them changing the past, what is their joke? Dennis does it very well, but I looked it up, and the quote I found was, the future it's, is certain. It's only the past that is unpredictable because <laughs> they changed the past. Didn't they do it with Trotsky and Lenin and all that kind of stuff? And the more I thought about it in history, the more I realized people will believe what they want to believe. And with my new realization that the American government will do things I never imagined when I was young, it all started to make sense. If you remember, I was one of the few talk show hosts, I've been on over 20 years, or at least one of the earliest talk show hosts, that believed there was a conspiracy to assassinate President Kennedy. Even as a kid, it didn't make sense to me, the single bullet theory. 
witnesses dying mysteriously, even jumping through plate glass windows to commit suicide. That's what they said. Jack Ruby murdering Lee Harvey Oswald to spare Mrs. Kennedy the pain, the grief. The Warren Commission consistently ignored evidence that would point elsewhere like witnesses reporting the shots came from the grassy knoll. One day visiting my brother in Texas, he took me somewhere early in the morning. He said, let's go. And then he showed me the grassy knoll. And I saw how easy it was, how simple it would have been for the shots to come from there. And many witnesses said they did come from there. And the Warren Commission just ignored them. This is too much. I'm just giving you a little taste of it now. Of course, not releasing evidence for years and years. And I think originally it was 50 years. And now even President Trump doesn't want to release it. You know why? Because the CIA was involved, as best as I can tell. Our own government agency had some role in this. I'm convinced. I was a kid, and I remember this guy, Mark Lane, I can't think of his, Rush to Judgment. That was his book. And he, it was preposterous. He said the CIA was involved. I didn't believe our government agencies would ever do something like that. How could you kill the President of the United States your own government because you don't agree with him on some things. And it was just a shock. Oh, the list goes on and on. You know what I read recently? I think this is right, but when I'm not sure, I'm not going to say 100%. Jackie Kennedy, in her book, I didn't double-check it, so I, I could be wrong, she reported that the night before the assassination, her husband, President Kennedy, and Lyndon Johnson got into a huge shouting match that you could hear through the hallways. And what was it over? President, sorry, Vice President Johnson did not want Governor Connolly riding with President Kennedy. Governor Connolly was his good friend, and the senator was not. He wanted the senator to ride with President Kennedy. Why was that so important to President Johnson, Vice President Johnson? Sorry, again. What? I mean, you, Mark, you're crazy. You're, you're a nutcase believing this. I never believed that Lyndon Johnson was involved or even knew anything about the assassination. People reported he ducked down even before the shots. I, 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 you want to be careful that you don't say the wildest things. But if Jackie Kennedy did write that, why did he get so upset that his really good friend was going to be riding with the president? Did he know something? I'm not crazy because now I'll believe anything about the government. I never did as a kid. The FBI the uh, Justice Department, they would never do the stuff that we found out they did do with President Trump, that they set him up, that they knew that the, the, the Russian stuff was a hoax. How, how could our government do this? Oh, so now I look back in history and I think, did the Gulf of Tonkin really happen with Vietnam while we got in the war? Did Iraq really have weapons of mass destruction? I don't believe anything. There's a price to pay if you were involved with the killing of President Kennedy. There's a price to pay if you did what you did to President Trump. It's all very depressing. But as Dennis always says, and I feel, you've got to deal with the truth. Let me know what you think. one Prager 776 I'm Mark Eisler, filling in for Dennis Prager.
Pastor filling in for Dennis Prager. I just want to sum up my thoughts in some ways. So yeah, official Washington spread that lie for years, and the Warren Commission was there to make sure the American people believe the official version. That's what I believe. And the few patriots, I don't know if you remember comedian Mort Saul, he gave, kind of gave up his career. He, he never stopped talking about it then, and maybe he wasn't so funny anymore. Maybe that was part of it. Because he, like me, could not believe that you let the murder of the President of the United States, maybe by our own people, go without consequence, and, and to believe that lie. Because some of us thought that in our own government, if our own government could be involved in the murder of the President of the United States, then the rest of us, what do you say for us? If they could do that to him, they could do almost anything to us. And guess what? Some of that is happening now, right? So you jail political prisoners. You put some of them in solitary confinement. That's why I asked, did the Gulf of Tonkin really happen? Who knows? Were there weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? Who knows if our government could lie about the president's murder? But they got the people to believe it all. They made it their narrative. And many normally upstanding citizens wanted to believe they caught the lone nut assassin. And I said to Sean off the air, I don't even know if Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't what they said years ago, CIA agent, an FBI informer. Remember January 6th, they had that guy, I forget his name, the informer that Tucker always talked about that he may have, you know, he did, you can see it on tape, urging them to go into the Capitol and never got prosecuted. Who knows? By the way, Tucker also said, I don't know if it's true, he talked to someone who's seen the files, and they say he does report that the CIA was involved. There is evidence that. I don't know if that's right. I believe it now. And to make it more current, they can get a huge swath of the American people to believe that President Trump conspired with the Russians when it was likely from Hillary Clinton's campaign, that the Clinton campaign were the ones doing all the conspiring, that they could turn the truth on its head and the American people would believe it. Certainly, there's a large portion that still believe that President Trump was colluding with the Russians because their base already hated Trump and would believe anything sinister about him. So you often feel you're on another planet, and I know the board is filled. I'll get to you. So Joe Biden can talk about Democrats being democracy, sorry, being subverted when he and his administration are the ones subverting it. Huh? The world on his head. That Donald Trump lost an election that, in my opinion, he clearly won. And I listed for Dennis, uh, when I was on for Dennis, on a, whenever, right after it happened, over 20 anomalies that had to happen for President Trump to lose, including Joe Biden, I love this one, doing better than Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in the areas in the inner city than they did to win those crucial states. You've got, you got to be kidding. That was just one of the 20-some-odd I read. Or I'm watching it, if you, you haven't heard of me, I haven't talked about it in years. 3 a.m., I stayed up till 3 a.m. Pacific time, saying, oh, let's see, he's got Michigan, he's got Wisconsin, he's got Pennsylvania. It would have to be crazy for him to lose those. And what happens? They stopped counting. Oh, that was very interesting. They stopped counting. I wake up in the morning and everything's changed. Oh, another coincidence. Okay. They all, by the way, and so many votes showing up in some precincts just for Biden. I get it. Just a coincidence. But none of it mattered because they wanted to believe Biden won and anyone who challenged their storyline was considered a nut or worse. 
And then, like in tyrannical countries, indicting President Trump and his supporters because they dared to challenge the results of this, in my opinion, fixed election. Oh, they did it in the past. Oh, but when they do it, it's okay. Al Gore, Hillary Clinton, that's fine. We challenge elections, you go to jail. So, like a banana republic or this old Soviet Union, get rid of your political opponents. Arrest them. Jail them. And say it often enough, right? Hitler's guy, Gables, or whoever it was. You say it often enough, the people will believe almost anything. It becomes true after a while. When you want to believe what you want to believe, you keep saying something often enough, and everybody, sorry, a lot of people will believe it, especially when they want to. So they make President Trump into a fascist, when if anyone is a fascist, it's them. But something is very different now that makes it even worse. That's why I'm elaborating on Dennis's point. You have the American press conspiring with the leftist Democrats to get the people to believe what they want them to believe. So they make President Trump into this monster. Many hate him with a passion when he did great things for this country. But they have him as a fascist. Yes, he doesn't help himself, I've got to be honest, with his unfortunate tweets. And yes, he says things all the time he shouldn't. There's no real filter with him. That's how I would put it. And here's another problem he has. He embraces too quickly people who say nice things about him, and he turns on people if they don't say such nice things too quickly. But I'm a behaviorist, and I know he did great things for this country. But people want to believe the worst things about him, and so they do. And there's not much we can do, especially with the media, when they help this narrative. Remember his press conferences? They would ask their questions with such contempt for him, and the bias would show itself. So the major media has made it harder for those of us who care about truth. That helps, again, the people believe what they want to believe. And similarly, with Hamas and Israel, and with the deep hatred that so many people have for the Jewish people, it all makes sense to me now. It has even happened in my own life, that's personal, and may have happened in yours too. People will want, they want to believe what they want to believe about you or your loved ones, especially it's if it's a negative, because you can't prove a negative. It's very hard to prove that something didn't happen, or someone didn't do something they were accused of doing. Because people will believe what they want to believe, helped along by people with ulterior motives. So tell me what you're thinking. One eight prayer seven seven six. Do you agree with Dennis's thesis? Do you agree with my take about those who helped this along? Do you trust the government anymore? Has it happened in your own life? What's your take? And I think that last point about personal stuff is. Is, is pretty meaningful too. When people say you did something that you didn't do or accuse you of something that you didn't do, let me know what you think. And now I promise we have enough time to go to a call now. All right, I don't know who I want to be so fair. Uh, okay, let's go to Chuck. We'll start with you, Chuck, in Tampa. Go, quick. Chuck. Hey, how you doing? Great show. Great Thanks. show. I love it. Hey, I, I, have, I want to expand the not trusting the government into the health care system. I'm a diabetic, and I'm on heart medicine, and I, I did get COVID when it, when it happened, but I didn't get sick, but I was getting anxiety attacks 
from all the news saying, you know, uh, diabetics, people with hearts, they're going to die. So I had to get um, treatment for that. But I recently went to my healthcare doctor. I've been going to him for 20-something years. And he was trying to talk me into getting all these shots. Started off. All right, with hold, hold on. I want to hear the rest of the story. Just, just hold on. Mark Ice, they're filling in for Dennis Prick. It's Mark Eister back with you again in my 15th year filling in for Dennis. It's been a great journey, and I hope to start my own podcast soon, so keep in touch with me at Mark Eister on Facebook, or write to me at markeisler at AOL.com, M-A-R-K-I-S-L-E-R at AOL.com. I want to mention my younger brother, Jeff, today. It's his birthday, and for those of you in the Dallas area, you are lucky he runs a golf training facility in a suburb of the greater Dallas area that is excellent. It's, and I'm not just biased. I've seen it. He's done great stuff. Kids winning championships and all kinds of stuff. It's called Jeff Eisler Golf. And like the way I teach, he also teaches life lessons in addition to being a great golf teacher and having a great training facility. So check it out. And happy birthday, Jeff. By the way, that's exactly how I teach. I mean... I teach English, I teach history, I teach government, but you got to make it interesting. And you know something? In college, I remember this. I think Dennis has had similar experiences. Whenever they got interesting and got on a topic about life that the students cared about, they'd say, oh, now we have to go back to the subject. But you can really do both to make it interesting. And that's, that's what I try to do. In this hour, I want to talk about rage. Rage that our leaders don't have over all kinds of injustice. You know I'm caller-driven. And the last time I was on, a caller asked me, or said, actually, where's the rage? So that's my theme in this monologue. Where is the rage? This should be rage over so many things. Where is the rage over the media and others creating a false dichotomy between Israel and its enemies? It is so clear to use Dennis's argument that if Israel laid down its arms, it would cease to exist. And if their enemies laid down their arms, there would be no peace in the Middle East, and there'd be no Israel. Not unlike our enemies, like Russia and China and North Korea and Iran. If tyrannies laid down their arms, there would be peace in the world. And if we laid down our arms, the world would be overrun by tyranny and chaos. Why isn't that so obvious? Doesn't that make it easier to know which side to take in world conflicts? But it may be more depressing here in our own country. When Benjamin Franklin said, I read his autobiography recently, he was an amazing, they all were amazing, our founders. That's why I believe that they were at least God-inspired, but who knows. But you remember Benjamin Franklin said, we have a republic, to that lady who asked what kind of government do we have, if you can keep it. He was unbelievably prophetic. How can the American people accept political prisoners as this, this regime did with January 6th protesters? How can Americans accept some of these prisoners being put in solitary confinement for issues of trespassing? 
How can you call unarmed press protesters an insurrection? By the way, the left has control of the language, right? They, they always change. Uh, you know, I was mentioning minimum wage before. Now they call it livable wage. How could you be against livable wage? Except where does the money come from? They never ask that question. But they have control of the language. We lose that one really easily. They're great at that. How do Americans allow their former president to be indicted by two-bit local prosecutors, funded likely by George Soros, to prosecute the favorite candidate for president by the opposition party? I never would have believed it was possible in this country to be subverted, as I mentioned, by one such sacred institutions as the Department of Justice and the FBI. But the list goes on and on arresting parent protesters at school board meetings, firing workers who refuse to take the government's favored vaccine remedy, indoctrinating workers on microaggressions. You ought to see what I have to take some. I hope they're not listening, Sean. There's, I have to take these different courses. One course is on microaggressions. It had no completion date, so I didn't take it. <laughs> I don't know if they'll catch me. It says date. All the others, you know, suicide prevention, all this kind of stuff, it has dates that you have to complete it. That one has no date, so I never did it. Since they don't listen to our side, I probably will get away with it. I don't know. Replacing free speech with wokeness at all levels. Where is the rage? And the answer may be that most Americans just want to live their lives in peace. That those who have no God... This is an interesting thought I came up with. Give meaning to their lives by, by acting like gods over other people's lives. That's how they get their meaning. And in that quest, they'll stop at nothing to achieve this power. While peaceful, God-fearing people have no such void and no such fervor, which may explain the feckless Republicans in the Senate the House Republicans got rid of the weak McCarthy. I was never a big fan of McCarthy. I met him once. I'm not going to go into that story. But the Republicans in the Senate still have McConnell. Are you kidding me? He has no passion, no energy, is likely past his time, and may also be corrupted by his wife's connection to Chinese interests. I don't know, but it's not a good sign. And his team, oh, Senator Thune of South Dakota, Texas Senator Cornyn. I don't know how you guys elect these people. They're a bunch of worthless milktoes. Right, milktoes, Sean? You've heard that phrase? Yeah, weak, right? They don't do much. Okay, good. You agree with me. I have no idea if they had any rage except for rage at people like us. That's what they have rage about. And others, I mentioned him already, like Mitt Romney, who got the nomination for president. I want to apologize again. I was a delegate for that guy. He, as I said before, he acts like he gets his ideas from above and fools people like me. His good intentions are not there, like those of you who are fooled by the likes of Smooth Talk and Ramaswamy. That, that's how I feel. Or Lindsey Graham. Oh, he talks up a storm all the time. I, I don't know what he does. That's so wonderful. Where is the rage by Senate Republicans about the fact that the world is collapsing around them? Yeah. They have rage. Get this. Tom Tillis of North Carolina, just a few, well, maybe it was a week or two ago. I want to be accurate. Castigating House Republicans for taking so long to have a new speaker. Was he kidding? Or just a hypocrite? Like the rest of those cowards in the Senate. They love their privilege too much 
to make many waves. Power corrupts, right? And absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think I have it right. Maybe not, but it's close. They are part of the swamp. President Trump had it right, which is why they hated him so much. They have rage at him and at those he represents, much more than the rage they have at what the left is doing to destroy our country. If I was a senator, I would never keep quiet. I'd be shouting from the rooftops day after day. They are happy, though, these guys, to go on CNN and MSNBC and to Washington parties and to compromise with President Biden on the budget. They're going to put us in debt we may never recover from. Remember, one of the reasons the Soviet Union collapsed was it ran out of money. I'm glad that last caller last hour said, Iran may be running out of money. Of course, Biden gives them money. I mean, you can't believe what goes on sometimes. But these are the folks who are on our side. That doesn't count the other side, which has been taken over by the left that wants to destroy, you know my words, the greatest country in the history of the world. The, ra the other side has raged towards us even more than they have for our outside enemies. But where's the rage from our side? You won't find it from many of our so-called leaders in Washington. Trump had a right, that part of the swamp. You won't find it from the media. They are institutionally and emotionally on the other side. They're really just the arm of the Democrat Party. They're just another arm. You're not going to get it from the schools. I mentioned they're so indoctrinated, there's no hope for them. From the judicial branch, remember we have three branches, the executive, the legislative, the judicial, the founders who were brilliant, hoping there'd be a balance. But hardly ever, you have so many Obama and Biden appointments who want to make law instead of interpreting it. So we must provide our own rage. I've heard people say we have to have our own country. I don't know about that. I don't think it's possible that we could secede, that there could be some states that the, the other side won't let you leave. There'll be obstacles. I'm not saying you shouldn't try it, but I don't think that's, at least in the short term, a solution. I have heard people say, and this is my position, we need to fight like the left does. Some people say, oh, you're acting just like them, and we can't use their hard, same hardball tactics. But I say enough is enough. We must indict their leaders at every turn, and we must have ballot harvesting too. We must have attorneys on our side who sue at every turn like they do. And we must get our state legislatures to provide for same-day voting at the least and paper ballots at the best. Tell me what you think. 1-8-Prager-776. Mark Eisler for Dennis Prager. The Dennis Prager Show. Mark Eisler for Dennis Prager. Just some final thoughts on where I was going. On the world stage, we must do, as President Kennedy said, support any friend, oppose any foe, to ensure the survival and success of liberty. We're not doing that. They see Joe Biden's weakness, and the bullies always fill a vacuum. Voting may not be enough. You can't sit on the sidelines. So we've got to save this greatest experiment in liberty in the history of the world. So I wanted to quote Churchill. Whatever we think, wasn't that the first statue, Sean, that Obama took down, or one of the first? He took a statue of Churchill out of the White House. Anyway, whatever, here's what Churchill said. This is the lesson. Never give in, never give in. Never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in, except to convictions of honor and good sense. So that's where I am. 
This you got to We've got to do. It's not enough to vote. We got we got to do more than that to save this country. I promised I'd get to your calls. Let's see. There's so many good ones. So, oh, I I won't take Mike in Detroit, Michigan. Mike, you're on with Mark. Oh yeah, thank you very much. You know, um, you know we're we're dealing with an atrocity where 1,400 people were just butchered in the most horrendous ways you could possibly imagine. Now, 33 of them were tortured to death were American citizens, and they're holding an unknown number of hostages. And this is the only administration I could ever imagine in the history of our country that would be tripping over themselves, uh, apologizing about non-existent Islamophobia. If Trump was president or any other administration, you could go back to uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson and the shores of Tripoli. Uh, their Iran's petroleum industry would be a smoking ruin, and we'd be fighting side by side with the IDF. They're doing our fighting for us. They're fighting for our civilization. We should be on the ground side by side with these people. Well, that, that's a great point. I, I agree with you. They never would have done it if President Trump was president. But one of the things that they said that about Reagan, too. They called him, I think, a cowboy. They really fear people who not only are strong, but unpredictable. If you're not sure what your opponent is going to do, then you're, you're a little worried. You don't know how to deal with it. I don't think Russia would have invaded Ukraine. I don't think Iran would have done what they're doing. Uh, you can name the country. North Korea, they picked on Trump, but they weren't detonating so many test missiles, or at least they stopped for a while. They, they feared him. That's why I say you've you got to judge him by his... I'm a behaviorist. I think he was a great president. I, I know a lot of people disagree with me. Let's go to uh, James in Philadelphia. You're on with Mark. Hello, Mark. Hi. Hi. I've listened, I was listening to that list of yours that uh, you, uh, you, you made a few minutes back in your monologue uh, about all the, thing, all the problems that have, been, that have been presented since Biden has become president. My my situation is that I am so overwhelmed with all of those things that the frustra- my frustration is way 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 above my head. I'll never uh, I'm, I'm I'm swimming desperately to get out of it. But uh, the thing, uh, for instance, uh, uh, the reluctance of, of the president to side uh, exclusively with Israel on about that massacre and to and to confront specifically the Iranians uh, not in, in terms of bombing but for instance uh, maybe in a more nuanced way to take out one of their one of their uh, tankers uh, steal their uh, steal their, uh, their oil and tell them it's going to continue until they they talk to Hamas and persuade them to let go of the hostages. There's, there's very little, very little strategy, very little hardcore confrontation, and it's it's so awful. Uh, it, uh, it's it's no wonder that there that the the uh, partisan for the Hamas in the United States are so emboldened when even the president uh, ignores so much. Well, Uh, you make a good point. I appreciate your call. People recognize weakness, and they take advantage of it. Who was the, I don't think Sean's going to know who I'm thinking of either. He was either, for both administrations, Secretary of State or Defense, and he said, Biden's never been right about anything on foreign policy. 
He's always had it wrong. That's when he was well. He's not, you know, I feel sorry for him. He's not well, and I've said this on previous shows. Where's his wife's dignity to save him from being so embarrassed? No, no, there they go, craving power again at all costs. Let's go to uh, Paul in Phoenix. You're on with Mark. Hello, Mark. Hey, yeah. hey, hey Paul, Hello, I, could, I could use you to tell what I think about baseball. Are you following baseball at all? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm not a real fan, but yeah, the, the, uh, the, the Diamondbacks are are in the World Series. (laughs) Well, I'll just, I'll I'll do what Democrats do. I'll use you. (laughs) I'm just saying that in a nice way. So I think I'm not, I'm not a baseball coach or a football coach, but I think a lot of these are dummies, uh, doing the Peter principle. They played or whatever, and they worked their way up and they have no idea how to manage. So here's my point. This guy, this coach of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, he pulls pitchers out even if they're good because he thinks, oh, I need a left against lefty, right against righty, this old platoon thing which Casey Stengel started with the Mets many years ago. You know, I lived in New York. So yeah. it's, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, he's overthinking it. They don't do – if the pitcher's pitching well, leave him in. Why do you take him out? Yeah. Yeah, don't micromanage. I, I used to be a supervisor. I let I let the people get their, get get on with it. You're, they were doing a good you're, job. You're my kind of manager. At our school, we say, if the administrators just leave us alone, we'll do our job. But they come in and they create all these kinds of problems. Here's one. I'll give you an example. You maybe think of something. We had an, an assistant principal years ago said, and I was teaching the lowest level at the time of English as a second language, and her memo to all the teachers said, eighty percent of the time. The students should be doing the talking. Doing the talking? They couldn't do any talking in English. What was she thinking? She must have read that in some education manual. But go ahead. What did you want to talk about, Paul? Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I, 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 it's good to talk to you again because I remember you from the San Fernando Valley Republican Club back, oh, back in the day. Okay, thank you. And, uh, so you but you uh, moved yeah, to Phoenix. I really agree with, you got out of California, yeah, I huh? I got out of California. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm calling for, with good news, okay, because I agree with you that, you know, we really need to understand how, how deeply the government lies to us. I mean, if they're willing to murder a president, okay, yep. would, the, would the Internal Revenue Service lie about who's liable for the income tax? Yeah, right. I have proof that that is true, okay? There's a gentleman by the name of Dave Champion who wrote a book called Income Tax Shattering the Myth. Now, I listened to him while he was writing this book 20 years ago. All right, hold on. Uh, hold, hold on. we we got to go. I want to let you finish your thought. Let me know what you think. 1-8-Prager-776. I'm Mark Eisler for Dennis Prager. Mark Eisler for Dennis Prager. Sean thinks so clever. That's Get Smart, right? The theme music from it. Who's the star of that? Don something? Oh, see, I got him. I thought he had me, and he doesn't even know. Maxwell Smart, but wasn't the actor Don something? I think so. Yeah, he doesn't know. See, we got him. But I couldn't do the show without him and the others I want to mention. You don't realize what goes into making this show work. Alejandra and... Alejandro, I want to say that correctly, Antonio on video production, Jennifer on the phones, great job, Jennifer, you got the calls up right away, and Rick, Rick does all the, uh, he's a studio manager, and you wouldn't believe the things I do wrong, but he makes sure he's going right, so, and of course, 
I wouldn't do the show without Alan Estrin. He's the executive producer, and I've said this in the past. I don't think Dennis could have ever had anybody better at producing the show. And, of course, I can't do the show as well as I do without Sean McConnell. You, you can't imagine. He he makes me better because he throws ideas at it and he suggests things. It, it, it's just like a comfort level that he gives me. So I can never do the show alone, and I'm sure Dennis feels that way also. Don Adams, yeah, you had to look it up. I, I get it. You had to look it up. I'm going to go back to Elliot because... He wasn't finished. Let's put Elliot back on. And I have affinity for New York City. I grew up, I don't know if you know this, Elliot, I grew up in Coney Island. And I even, oh, you didn't I, know that, see? I'm a, Benson, I'm a Bensonhurst boy. A Bensonhurst boy. And for people who don't know Coney Island, this is funny. They had a million people on the beach in the summers. You had to be careful if you didn't step on anybody to get to the water. So I get out to California, and I was teaching in Redondo Beach, and they said, uh, be careful, our beach is very crowded. So I look at Redondo Beach, there's no people there. There's, there's nobody there. They don't know what crowded is, right? And they don't know from Nathan's Hot Dogs, and they don't know from anything. You have the best delis, probably the best food in the country. But anyway, go ahead. You, I want to finish up with a New Yorker. Yeah, you know, it's bigger there. What's going on with Donald Trump is, is just a, a bigger, and it's a more of a global thing. I came across this uh, book, uh, it was called Catch the Jew, and it was written by uh, Tuvia Tenenbaum. And it was very interesting, he was going into uh, Israel, into all the Arab uh, settlements there, and whatever they want to call them, towns. And because he posed as a German journal- journalist, they allowed him access to everything. But then I went a f- step further, it can't be the Germans that are behind this, and it came to my mind that it had to be somebody else. And that country that remains neutral all the time, Switzerland, I think causes a major problem I w- I want the entire I w- world. It's too long to go into now. Call me again or write to me at markeisler at AOL.com, M-A-R-K-I-S-L-E-R at AOL.com. I finish the show the same way every time, only this time it means more to me than ever. It's a privilege to have a microphone in the greatest country in the history of the world, but we got to keep it that way. We really got to get out there and not just vote, but ballot harvesting. We got to do what they do. We got to indict attorneys. We got to make sure the legislatures make it one day voting. Talk to you the next time. Mark Eisler filling in for Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.